just want to say it's so good to have all of you here today. And I don't believe we're here by chance. I believe God's brought us here for such a time as this. The message I have this morning, um, you know, I've done a, a lot of counseling. And um, matter of fact, I done, uh, took classes on it in my doctorate. Um, and many times, a lot of ministers, as myself, would do a lot of preaching as counseling because sometimes we need the medicine. Somebody say amen. amen. And the gospel is God's pill. You need to take it this morning. It's going to do you good. Amen. So take your outlines out and uh, let's get right into the word. And today's message is mercy is love in action. Mercy is love in action. Okay. And, and you know, the sad fact is this that sometimes it's harder uh, to show mercy at home than it is, you know, to, to a total stranger or people, you know, uh, with the people you love. It, it, you know, it, it's harder to show mercy at home with people you love than total strangers at times. In fact, we're often harder on ourselves, harder on our spouse, harder on our children, and than we are total strangers. And what's wrong with that picture? And often we are more in gracious with our family and those that we are then you know then we are like with total strangers now let me give you an illustration okay now some of you you're going to laugh real loud because this being getting right in your where you live you could be in a major argument at home and i mean a knockdown, drag out fight you know and the phone rings and, you know, you're screaming at the top of your lungs and the phone rings and you pick it up and you say, hello? <laughs> See, I told you to laugh because it, it's right where you live. Come on, somebody. So we're harder sometimes on our spouse. We're harder on our family members, our kids, than sometimes we are total strangers. And there's something wrong with that picture. And maybe you could identify with David in Psalms 101 in your outline there. And here's what David said. He said, Lord, I want to live a blameless life, but how I need your help, Lord, especially in my own home. Now, uh, now I believe we all could say amen to that. And, and as we think about that, especially in my own home where I long to act as I should. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for this wonderful uh, service today and for everyone that's gathered to be here. Lord, help us all to realize that mercy is love in action, and help us, Lord, to put that into practice. We pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Would you take your outlines and flip it on the back, if you would, and put it on the screen for those who maybe don't have an outline, and I want you to see something. Now, you can, you know, I'm not going to be looking at this, but you can make a mental, uh, you can do this mentally, or you can do it with your pen. I think you ought to do it with your pen, but a little quiz there. And it says, uh, mercy is love in action. And it says, how merciful am I with my family? Now, when my spouse or sibling or another family member gets some details wrong while I'm telling a story, do I interrupt them and correct them publicly or say nothing and let it go knowing I've done the same? Just go ahead and check one of those. When my spouse or sibling or another family member, keeps making the same mistake over and over? Do I become irritated and angry at them 
or do I graciously forgive them and pray for them? The next one is, is, is getting more attention. My, and again, when my spouse or sibling or uh, another family member is getting more attention than I think they deserve, do I feel resentful and feel the need to bring them down a notch? Oh, my. Or celebrate with them. When my spouse or sibling or another family members says or does something I don't understand, do I assume they have the best motivation for doing it? Or do I question their motivation or think the worst? And then the last one. Am I more polite with strangers or my family? Now just a little quiz there to get us thinking about the message today. Mercy is love in action. Now, you know, if you would just, in Christianity, Christianity, if you would sum Christianity up in one word, according to the Bible, it would be love. Can I get a witness? Because God, help me out, is? That's what God is. God is love. So mercy is love in action. Mercy is not a feeling. Mercy is not an emotion. It's a behavior. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's something that you choose to do. Your choice is to be merciful. Now, the scripture there, and you know, it's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. There's 15 characteristics. We, can't, we don't have time to go through all those today. But it talks about real love. Now, real love is different than phony love. Now, phony love, is that what you hear on the radio or whatever? Just one look. That's all it took? Come on, somebody. I could say more about that, but I won't. <laughs> this morning, we're going to look at four ways to show mercy at home. Number one, in your notes, write this down. By overlooking irritations and offenses. By overlooking irritations and offenses. By overlooking, I mean ignoring. Everybody say ignoring. ignoring. Not even paying attention to the irritation or the offenses. So what's happening here? You're going to have irritations in life. Nobody has good days every day. Can I get a witness? I mean, it doesn't happen. We all, how many of you had a bad day? Let me see your hands. Okay, about 98% of you. The others, we're going to have an altar call. <laughs> many families and marriages are buried in the little digs and the irritations and offenses. Yet the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love, real love, is not irritable or easily angered. Think about it. Circle easily angered. Real love does not get easily angered, okay? Anger is by far the most misunderstood human emotion that we have. Let me ask the question. How many of you have ever got angry? Let me see your hands. Okay, most of you. <laughs> And the rest of you, we're smiling at you. <laughs> it's also the most mismanaged of all the emotions. Let me say that. So you see, anger is the most mismanaged emotion that we have. Why? Because anger is not necessarily a sin. Sometimes anger is only the appropriate response that we have. We, I've got angry. How many of you know Jesus got angry? He did. Okay. And there are some things that you ought to get angry about. Anger is not necessarily sin because God gets angry. Jesus got angry, okay? 
So God sees people getting hurt here on this earth, and it angers him. When God sees someone hurting someone else, one of his children, God gets angry about that. So God gets upset about that. There is a righteous anger that is a good kind of anger. There's another kind of anger that's a selfish anger, and it's not a good kind of anger. So, but anger, you know, there is that selfish kind of anger, and it's, it's based, you know, you know, it's based on pride. But, you know, the unselfish anger, is based out of love. So we got to understand that. So the Bible is very specific about the cost of uncontrolled anger. And there's been a lot of people hurt because someone has got angry and didn't know what to do with their anger. And the Bible says, in your notes there, in Proverbs, it causes arguments. The Bible says it causes mistakes. The Bible says uncontrolled anger causes foolish things to happen in life. And we've all been there. We've all done that. We've all fell to that sin along the way. The Bible is very specific about the cost of that. And what is the antidote of harmful anger in your marriage and in your family? Love and mercy is the antidote. If you have love and mercy, how many of you know love covers a multitude of sin, the Bible says? So you've got love in your life, folks, it's going to go a long way because if you've got love in your life, you've got God in your life because God is love. Come on, somebody. And the more love you have, the more God you have in your life, the more God-like you are, and that's the way we are supposed to be. The more you experience God's love and mercy, the more you will show it also. You'll begin to demonstrate it. I've got a little ring in this mic. On the screen, the Bible says in Proverbs 17, 9, Love forgets mistakes. On the count of three, say it with me. One, two, three. Love forgets mistakes. Say it again. Love forgets mistakes. So when you hold on, hold on to a mistake and you keep remembering it over and over and over, that's not loving. That's not what the Bible says love is all about. Nagging about that separates even close friends, the Bible says. And also in Proverbs 19, 11, the Bible says, it is to your glory to overlook an offense. Look at it on the screen. It is your glory to overlook an offense. Circle the word offense. It is your glory to overlook an offense. It shows your maturity if you can overlook an offense. It means one is mature. Now, someone that's immature, they're going to have an opposite effect on that. And, and, and we don't want to go there this morning. It shows your maturity. People who get offended about everything are immature. And we see this all around us today. People who don't get offended at everything, and they just let it slide, they overlook emotions, irrational offenses, or whatever it is. It's a mark of maturity. Everybody say a mark of maturity. So you get a check mark. You're mature in the way that you're acting about things. How many of you know we need more mature people in America today? If you're always getting your feelings hurt, <laughs> you haven't grown up yet. Come on, somebody. Well, people in America need to hear that today. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we need to hear that. First Thessalonians, look at the scripture on the screen. Be careful in the message paraphrase. Be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other. And the Bible says, look for the best in each other. And always do your best to bring it out. Do we ever get on our family's nerves or they get on our nerves? 
It happens. But what do we do with it? What is our reaction to all that? If you would just memorize this verse right here, if you would practice this verse right here, you would be a whole lot happier and so would your spouse, so would your family members. We'd have a whole lot better relationships. We'd have better marriages. We'd have better friendships. Some of you may be thinking, well, my spouse does not meet my emotional needs. My spouse does not talk to me enough. My spouse says that uh, hurt things to me and hurts my feelings all the time. I feel like my spouse and I are on different spiritual paths. What can we do? It's not my and I. It should be we. So instead of focusing on all the things we may think our spouse has done wrong, what we need to do is start focusing on is showing mercy and allowing love to flow through us. Folks, this is good and it's going to get better, okay? And God, and to God, knocks down the walls of resentments and, 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 and in our lives and the desire for retaliation. See, there's something within us, the old nature within us wants to retaliate. And when someone puts us down, we want to put them down. When someone hits us, we want to hit them back. When someone says something, we want to come back on them. But you know what? That's not the way the Lord would do it. That's not what the Bible says we're to do. The Bible says in, in, in Proverbs 15.1, I don't think I have that. You might want to write that down. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath. Now, just this past week, my wife and I, we got in a little tip and, you know, it's in. And then, you know, she said something. I noticed that Angie began to show mercy and everything began to change. Angie showed me mercy by overlooking an irritation and an offense. And everything just began to change. And God began to speak to me about that. Wow. Now, folks, I'm telling you, we all have feet of clay. We all can make a mistake. I've said here before, you, you know, you don't drown by falling in the lake. You drown by staying in the lake. Come on, somebody. You got to get out. And if you make a mistake, you know, ask the Lord to forgive you and go on. But, you know, do when you can within your reach. Begin to make things right and turn that thing around. And I'll tell you, you will be blessed. Somebody say amen. So number one, by overlooking irritation offenses. Write this down. Number two. Number two. Number two on the screen. By being kind when they don't deserve it but need it. By being kind when they don't deserve it but they need it. They need it. Everybody say need it. In every family, we have what I call the DPs. Let me explain that. We're not just talking about moms and dads and kids and aunts and uncles and outlaws and all that. <laughs> BDPs are what I call very draining people. Very draining people. Let me say it again if you didn't hear that. Very draining people. You know, they're the kind of people that if you're on one side of the street and they're walking to you, you want to get on the other side of the street real quick. They're very draining. We have them in the church. Come on, somebody. Don't be looking around. They're just difficult people. They live among us. 
Difficult people are hard to work with. They're irresponsible, immature, demanding people. They're pushy, they're self-centered, and they're always wanting everything their way. Yes, we have those kind of people. They're aggressive, they're often rude, they're difficult, they're demanding, they're destructive people. And they are who are abusive in relationships, and they hurt everybody around them. And folks, I tell you, if you fall into that category, what we need, you need to hear this message today and not only hear it, but you need to receive it. Not only receive it, but you need to begin to practice love. Somebody say amen. amen. You can be part of the problem or part of the solution. It's up to you. I want to be part of the solution. Come on, somebody. I want to be in my family. I want to be the one lead. You know what a leader is? Now, let me tell you something. A leader is, you know, when you're going somewhere and people are following you, it means you're a leader. Now, if you're going somewhere and there's nobody following you, you're just taking a walk. That's all you're doing. There's ain't nobody following that. And they're manipulative. They're disappointing people. And people who break their promises. And they are among us. Oh, my. Now, look at 1 Corinthians 4 and 7. These kind of people, these kinds of people here, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is always supportive. This is the answer to this kind of people that are around us. Let me tell you something. That soft answer turns away wrath. Now, let me, let me say, you, you know, you, you can't make, maybe you can't fix them, but what you can do is fix you. And it all starts with us. Can, can I get a witness? Amen. It starts with us. And when we are fixed, you know, you know, people, you know, why do very draining people want to get around someone that's not because they are and they, 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 don't, they don't know why they are, but they need a, a wake up from the neck up. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they need to get their mind in gear. It's what the Bible would say that we, how do we handle this? Well, you don't do that. You don't do that. You, you do this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is supportive. Are you always supportive of the people whether they deserve it or not? You should be. If you're like Jesus, you should be. Now, look at your notes. Proverbs 19.11. A man's wisdom gives him patience. You say, how can I be more supportive and patient? A man's wisdom gives him patience. And here's the key. Here's the key. If you want to be patient with anybody, learn more about what makes them tick. Let me say this. Hurt people. Hurt people hurt people because they're hurt. If they have fears, if they have things in their lives that they're dealing with, sometimes they come across and, and they can hurt you. So help me out again. Hurt people. I don't want to be in that category. Anytime somebody's hurting you, it's because they're hurting. They're hurting. Now, you can help them, if, and you'll be in that mature person. You can help them in this situation. And we don't automatically hurt people. You hurt people when you are hurting. Uh, other people hurt you when they are hurting. Now, here's the key. Here's the key. Here's the key. And if you understood their hurt, you're going to be a lot more patient with them. Can I get a witness? Amen. And you can look past the anger. You can look past the fear. 
You can look past the irritation and whatever it may be because you're mature in this. See, somebody needs to be mature in the family. Can I get a witness? And why not it be you? Let's start it out. Mm, think about that. Think about it. Think about it. Wow. You look past their anger and you look to their pain. See, there's a lot of people that are hurting and are struggling about things, about their identity or whatever it may be. Now, here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 3.27. Whenever you are able to do good to people you who need help, circle the word need. It doesn't say do good to people who deserve it. Now, folks, if we did things to did to people to deserve it, how many of you know we'd be in a bad world? Because we're all needed at one time. There's a lot of people in your life, in your family, that don't deserve kindness, but we need to show them kindness. They haven't been kind to you, and, but you give them and, and, and their need, uh, not what they deserve, but what they need. And when you do that, something begins to change. You can change the atmosphere, uh, which, by the way, is what God does with you. Uh, doesn't he give you what you need and not what you deserve? I'm glad I'm not God. I'm glad you're not God. You know, one of the disciples along the way one time, he said, well, Lord, we was going to have this revival for you and people are not coming out down there. Should we just call down fire, burn them up? Turn or burn, let's do it, Lord. And they're not turning, let's burn them. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't do that to me. Come on, somebody. Am I preaching good? Amen. Somebody's had a really tough day and they start talking it out over you and your response is to start defending yourself instead of realizing that they've had a tough day. Now, once again, how many of us have had a tough day? Let me see your hands. Okay, all right. I'm talking to you, not the church down the street. I'm talking to you. I'm just going to be kind to them. I know they don't deserve it, but I'm going to be kind to them. You know, that's my prayer. Lord, help me to show a little kindness. Remember the Glenn Campbell song? Show a little kindness and overlook their blindness. See, a lot of people are blind to what they're doing. And we need to think about that. Here, here's, here's a scripture. If you don't get one, but one scripture, get this one today, okay? Proverbs 19.22. Put it on the screen. You see it? Kindness makes a man or woman attractive. Now, that's gender neutral there. It can go with ladies or men. It says kindness makes one, whoa, attractive. Whoa, forget the Botox. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Those of you that are selling makeup, it might interfere with your business. If you would agree with me this morning, you know that someone that's kind is attractive. Nobody wants to be around an ogre. Come on, somebody. Nobody wants to be around a troll. Come on, somebody. Kindness makes other people want to be kind to you. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also help me out. So it starts with me. I, I got to start showing kindness. 
You need to start showing kindness. And it comes back to you. Look, on, look at the next verse of Scripture on the screen. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 says, Don't be hateful to people just because they are hateful to you. Rather, be good to each other and to everyone. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Number three, write this down. Third way, show mercy. By letting go of past hurts. Letting go of past hurts. You know, I, I told you the illustration before about how they catch monkeys in, in Africa. They put candy and, and they got a coconut and they cut a hole in it just enough where the, the, the monkey get his hand down in there. They get a the piece of candy down and he gets a hold of the candy. And all he had to do is when they start, he sees someone coming to get him, is let go of the candy, but he will not let go of that candy and he gets caught. See, some of you are getting caught up in things because you won't let go of something. Well, you don't know what they've done to me. You know, the prayer of Jesus says, for we forgive our enemies as, you know, Lord, forgive us as we forgive others. You know, we forgive so you forgive. Lord, forgive us as we forgive others. 1 Corinthians 15, 5. Love, real love, keeps no Records of wrong. Do you do that? One fellow said, I went home last night and my wife gave me an earful. She got hyster historical on me. And his friend said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She told me everything I ever done. <laughs> History major in what I've ever done. She got everything written down, what I've ever done. Now we laugh at that. There's a little truth there. Do you keep a mental record of every wrong that your spouse does? Write this down. Write this down. Now again, if you don't write anything else down, write this down. Don't repeat it. Delete it. Don't repeat it. Delete it. We'll say it one more time. They say I have to say it three times before everybody gets it. Let me say it again. Are you listening? Are you listening? Don't repeat it, delete it. Let go of the past hurt. Keep no records of wrongs. And when you hold on to hurt, you are not being loving. Don't repeat it, delete it. Let, let, me just, let me just get right down where the rubber meets the road. How many of us have been hurt at least one time in our lives with somebody? Let me see your hands. Now, you know what? That's probably the biggest thing the, the, the biggest thing that keeps people back in their walk with God than that right there. Why? Why do you say that, Pastor? How do you know that? Prove that. I'll prove it by the Bible. The Bible says this. When you go to the altar, you're going to pray to God, and you realize that you have ought against your brother, forget your gift, forget being at the altar. What are you supposed to do? Get up and go make it right. Good preaching, John. You go make it right. In other words, folks, we get we're, we're not going to be walking in, in, in. You know, can two walk together unless they be agreed? We're not going to be in agreement with God if we've got you know past hurts and things of others. We got to make this thing right. So how can we do this? It means three things. Write this down. It means when your spouse hurts you, you don't rehearse it over and over and over again. Again, you delete it. He said, he said this to me. She said this to me. They said this to me. Delete it. 
You don't get resentful, number two. You don't keep bringing it back up as a relational weapon. You don't do that. And number that's actually called gossip. So what do you do to it? You let it go. Everybody say, let it go. Just let it go. But, But pastor, you don't know what they did. Probably not. Sometimes we do things out of ignorance. Sometimes we do things out of whatever reason. But we need to get back to that place where we just, we want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus in my heart. Rude people are simply reacting to past hurts. So someone's rude and uncouth and, and you, you know, you see something, a little scene, whatever you think, oh boy, some, they're, they're hurt. They're hurt. They're hurt. Number four, write this down on the screen. Number four, by believing God is working in the lives of others. By believing God is working in the lives of others. Now, you must believe that God's working in the lives of your spouse even when you don't see it. Now, you need to take note of that. Now, if you are someone that has a garden, you know you plant a seed. How many of you know you don't go back the next day and dig it up and see if it's growing? <laughs> well, I don't see it growing. You just need to believe that God is taking care of this. Hello? Amen. Am I preaching good? Amen. You must believe that God is working on the lives of other family members, your parents, and even when you don't see it, you trust, you believe. Faith and mercy and love and grace, they all go together, okay? And the Bible says that you have to trust God. Now, look at this scripture here, 1 Corinthians 13, 7, in your notes there. Love always trusts. It doesn't just trust other people. It trusts God. So love always trusts. Love is often hopeful, not hopeless. It's hope-filled. And love preserves through whatever comes your way. So how do you know if you're trusting God in your marriage? How do you know if you're trusting God in your family? How do you know if you're letting God work? Love always trust. That trust factor is there. I'm just trusting and trusting God. I don't see it, but I believe it. Love is always hopeful. Love always believes. How do I know if if you're trusting God for your marriage and your family? Real simple. Look at how much you pray about it. You know, the, the thing that will help you in a struggle, and I'm not just talking about a family member. We talked about not, not just in your family, but somebody, maybe your boss, or maybe someone that you work with, or maybe someone out in the community. And you, you've had a struggle, problem with them. What you really need to do is start praying about it and praying for them. I'm going to tell you something. You'll flip this thing. And that's the only way you can do it. Can I get a witness? If you pray about your marriage and pray about this, it, it's going to speak volumes. So if you're not praying about your, your wife or your husband, your kids, your family, your parents, or that person that hurts you, you're not trusting God. You've got to trust God. Now look at this scripture. Two more scriptures we're going to close. In closing, and that's why the Bible says in Psalms 28, Lord, David said this, Hear my prayer for mercy when I call to you for help, when I lift my hands towards your holy place. 
And on the screen, once again, Lamentations 3.20. I will never, ever forget this awful time. And that what he was going through at the time. As I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope. I still dare to hope when I remember this. The unfailing love of the Lord never, help me out, ends. Never ends. By his mercies, we have been kept from complete destruction. Great is thy faithfulness. We sing the song, and it comes from right out of here, okay? His mercies begin afresh every day. Hallelujah. You know, you know, aren't you glad that you know, aren't you glad that you don't have to wake up one day and think, oh, is God mad at me today? He's not. If you feel condemnation, church, it's not from God, it's from the devil. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. You know. Now we we've grown up with this shamey, shamey, shamey on you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's God doesn't say shamey, shamey on you. God says, you're my child and I love you. The Bible says he loves us with an everlasting love. You know, we just need to try. We'll never catch up with God in love, but we need to try. Come on, somebody. And get the love of God in us. This is the source of hope. Four things that God expects us to do with our family. And the blessings will come in their life. God does that with them, okay? Every single day, he does that. He overlooks forgiveness of mistakes and sins. Of the, and, and, and God is kind to you. We need to be kind to others because God's been kind to us. We receive it from God so we can give it out. You know, God's given it to us. God wipes away and forgets things. He doesn't hold on to things. And God is working in our lives, even when you don't feel it. So today, we need to accept the mercy of God in our life. So mercy is love in action. Mercy is love in action. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Jake, would you come back? And we're going to close in just a moment. But I, I want to say to you this morning, you know, I, I, this message, I, I didn't, you know, I brought it today because, you know, this is a family month. We, we had one message about uh, our heritage. We've got a baby a dedication, family dedication today. And what we really need to do, I think, in this month of May is just dedicate ourselves once again back to the Lord. That doesn't mean you're getting saved all over again. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you just rededicate. And, you know, we've done it more than once here or that we've had, uh, and we've done it several times, especially around Valentine's Day when we have couples that renew their vows. And it, there's something about that. It just makes it just like, wow. You just want to start all over. It's just like you're wiping the slate clean and you're starting all over. And wow, isn't it exciting what God does when we can do that? You know, here's what the Bible says. We all, we all, we all have come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We ask God to forgive us. We ask God to help us. Mercy. There's a song that says that mercy rewrote my life, and it really did mine. When I begin to see the mercy of God and what God is doing and what God has done for me and others, it changes me on the inside. 
I want to be more loving, more compassionate. I want to be kind to others because God was kind to me. So I hope this morning you just grab hold of this. And, you, you, you know, I, I believe I'm speaking to mostly this morning to the Christians that are here. But, you know, you're here this morning. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You need to, you need to accept this too because God will come into your life and he will do something totally radical in you. He will change you. He changed me. You know, I've said to people before, I used to be like that guy they called the Hulk, you know, when they get mad, you didn't want to be around me. But now, and I'm not saying I'm perfect, but now I've got the mind of Christ. Now I've got the love of God. Now I've got the the antidote to some of those things that I used to allow to control me and and anger to control me. I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to allow Jesus to control me. Hallelujah.